This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. Years ago, I remember reading this small book, which was actually a sermon by a guy who was a pastor and a theologian called Jonathan Edwards. And it was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I never forgot that. In fact, I still have that book. Even though he had preached that same message at his own church, the story goes that the second time he preached it in the mid-1700s at a church in Enfield, Connecticut, he couldn't even finish it. People were literally wailing and crying out and saying, what must I do to be saved? And from that time on, certainly in America, in certain streams of Christianity, certainly not all, there was a lot of preaching that may not have been as stark as that one sermon, but much of the preaching seemed to focus on hellfire and brimstone and seemed to highlight mostly what you needed to do and not do so you could live right and not go to hell. Okay, Then in the early part of this century, this century we're living in now, I began to hear a message that I had never really heard before about the love of God. It was a message that was very different from a lot of the preaching that you seem to commonly hear. So when people started preaching about God's love, it was like a fresh wind kind of blew in. And I can say for myself that it became one of the bedrock foundations of my life. But I feel like something got lost in it. As much as I know that it is the truth, God absolutely passionately loves us. The emphasis on this has seemed to grow a bit one-sided, almost like a swinging pendulum. In our efforts to show another side of God, it's almost like we've fallen short of showing the whole nature of him, just like it was in years past when all people preached was his wrath. In Romans chapter 11, Paul is explaining how um, the Jews had been cut off because they didn't believe in Jesus as the Christ. And by that action, the Gentiles received the privilege of being grafted into the kingdom. And in verse 22, he says this, Behold then the kindness and the severity of God. The kindness and severity. When is the last time you heard of or thought about something like that? He was saying the kindness towards the Gentiles for grafting him in, but the severity towards the Jews for cutting them off. Then there's Psalm 7, 11. And it says, God is a righteous judge 
and a God who has indignation every day. Some translations say like this, a God who is angry every day. Now, there's nothing about that verse that makes me feel warm and fuzzy about God, the Father who loves me. But still, it is also the truth. And I feel like in the confluence of all the streams we now see in Christianity, some basic tenets about who he is have been lost. We often hear today, even in the church, that we need to find and live our own truth. And it has kind of led us to this part where we get to define what is true and what's not true. But Jesus said, there is only one truth and he's it. So what does that mean? That means if my truth does not align with the truth, which is Jesus, it is a lie, period. And as Christians, we are called to be reflections and bearers of the image of Christ and who he is in the truth. And I was thinking about this recently. If the Bible says that demons know who God is and fear him, in fact, it says they know and tremble, why don't we? I used to hear people say a lot that the fear of God is not about terror or fear as we think about it or know it to be, but it's reverence and respect, which is true. But there are certainly some elements of reverence and respect that align with straight up fear as we know it. True reverence and awe and respect has an impact on our choices, our actions and our behavior. My mother was not God by any means, let me be clear. But I did respect her. And in some ways, I was in awe of her because she was a very, very accomplished and powerful woman. But I was also scared of her. I knew that what she meant, she said. And I knew that if she said it, she meant it. And that if I decided to do something other than what she asked or expected, there would be a consequence. So I didn't just have some woo woo woo, I respect you and all. No, I knew she was not to be played with. But somehow with us and God, he has become so common and familiar to us that we don't even give a thought to our actions, our behaviors, our words, and what they might mean to him, much less do we think, how might he intend to respond to those things? As Christians, listen, we would have to be blind to not see the powerful and sovereign hand of God moving around us every single day. And it is time for us to start living and acting like we know the true nature of the God that we serve. What does that mean? It's time for us to start fearing God again. Now, I am not trying to dismiss the message of God's love. Not at all. Without question. God is merciful and loving and kind. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 that God, because he was rich in mercy and because of his great love with which he loved us, 
Even when we were dead in transgressions and sin, even still he made us alive together with Christ so that in the ages to come he would show us the surpassing riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ. So there's no question God is merciful, loving, and kind. But he is also holy and righteous and just. Paul said to the Hebrews that he disciplines us for our good so that we would share in his holiness. He wrote to Timothy that in the end, God was the righteous judge who would judge righteously. And in Deuteronomy, it says that all of his ways are just. So yes, he is merciful, loving, and kind. But he is also holy and righteous and just. And without question, he is good and gentle and peaceful. The psalmist said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Jesus said, who the Bible says is the exact representation of God, by the way, I'm just saying. Jesus said in Matthew, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek, which means gentle. And lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And Paul closed out his second letter to the Thessalonians saying, May the Lord of peace continually grant you peace in every circumstance. So absolutely, God is good, and he is gentle, and he is peace. But he is also all-powerful, all-knowing, and sovereign. We see in the very beginning of the Bible, God demonstrating his power when he created everything that exists out of nothing that ever was. And he did all that just with the sound of his voice. David wrote in Psalms that God, this is a trip now, God knows everything about us. When we sit down, when we stand up, he sees everything we do. He even knows everything we are going to say before we say it. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that, if nothing else will make you sit quietly for a minute and think about what comes out of your mouth, that, that ought to be it right there. And then Daniel said, he controls the time and the seasons, and he raises up rulers and he removes them. And Paul called him to his Timothy, his son. Paul called God the blessed and only sovereign God. So yes, no question, God is good, God is gentle, and God is peaceful, but he is also all-powerful, all-knowing, and he is sovereign. And without question, God is patient, he is faithful, and he's long-suffering. Paul wrote to Peter that the Lord is not slow about fulfilling his promises, as some people count slowness, but he is patient towards us. That's why he waits so long sometimes for us to experience the consequences for our decisions. He's patient towards us and doesn't wish that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. The psalmist wrote that God's faithfulness continues or endures to all generations. And in Numbers, it says that God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He forgives iniquity and transgressions. But he will by no means clear the guilty. So, without question, God is patient. He is faithful. He is long-suffering. But he is also jealous, absolute truth, and he never changes. The very first thing he told Israel when he formed them as a nation 
was that he was a jealous God and he was not going to tolerate the worship of any other gods by his people. Paul said it was impossible for God to lie. And Malachi, God said, I am the Lord and I change not. So we can't tell half the story without question. He is patient. He is faithful. He is long-suffering, but he is also jealous and absolute truth. And he never changes. So here's the thing. In 1 Peter 4.17, it says, judgment begins at the house of God. And I always interpreted that and preached that as the church. So judgment begins with the church. And I certainly believe that the church is a representation of the house of God. But if the word makes it clear that we are the temple of God and his spirit dwells in us, then we got to drill that down further. What does that mean? We have to start by judging ourselves. And some of us will need to repent for any ways known or unknown that we have dishonored or disrespected God by bringing him down to our level in our own minds, in our own hearts, and looking at him in any other way than with total awe, total fear and respect for who he is. You hear me say all the time that all creation is waiting for us to show up and reflect God in the earth. But we also need to know they're not only waiting for us, they're watching us right now. And the God that we show them will be the God that they believe is real. The world has seen enough Christians with a mess going. And when they looked at us, They've not seen anything about God that they want to follow. So it's not enough for us to just represent him. We need to reflect him rightly. We need to demonstrate a picture of a people who honor and reverence the God that we serve. And I'm telling you, when we start to honor him truly and reverence and fear him, and commit our lives to the worship and fear and adoration of him at all times. This is the picture we need to show the world of a lovesick, sold out, committed people who live their life boldly every day with fear and reverence and awe and do that out loud.